Well, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Rates, and I will be your host today. I'm so excited that you are joining us. Here at the podcast, we believe that our words matter, and we believe healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and our communication. So whether you communicate one-on-one, on a team, from a stage, from a screen, we hope that the time listening, engaging with this podcast really challenges you, inspires you, encourages you to choose to communicate in healthy ways. We all, all get it right, but every day, if we have a focus to elevate the practice and importance of choosing to communicate in healthy ways, it really does change your world and it will change the world for the better. Well, today we are diving in with a, a topic that is so unbelievably relatable to so many of us. We're going to kind of have this incredible conversation about communicating with difficult people. Uh, we're going to, you know, maybe we live with them, maybe we work with them, maybe we live next door to them. But the reality is we're not going to always get along with people. We're not always going to be able to communicate with people that are, you know, different than us and are difficult to talk about. So how do we do that? How do we find value in what they're saying? How do we find their value? How do we remember, you know, their worth? And what are some keys to being able to figure those kind of things out? Well, today, I'm just so honored to welcome an incredible leader. I, I met her years ago and have just admired her leadership, her I just have a, such a great respect for the way that she communicates and leads. And so I want to welcome Susie Lance on the Speak With People podcast today. Hey, Susie, thank you so much for being a part. Thank you so much, Jason. It is a joy to be here. Always great to connect with you. And I am really excited about this topic today. <laughs> well, fantastic. Hey, before we jump into the conversation, maybe just kind of give our listeners uh, just a little bit of your story, who you are, what you do, all of that good kind of stuff. Sure. So I am a leadership coach and consultant. I coach with a company called Giant Worldwide, and our real focus is to help every leader, every team, every organization we work with really be the healthiest version of themselves. So I'm constantly asking people, what's it like to be on the other side of you? And really helping them understand what the experience is like for the person on the other side of you. We rarely ask ourselves that question. We know what it's like to be on the other side of a difficult person, right? (laughs) But do we know what it's like to be on the other side of us? So that's what I spend my days doing. I'd say my greatest joy and highest leadership challenge. I am the mother of two teenagers, uh, Karen, who's 18 and getting ready to graduate and go to Ohio State, go Buckeyes, Um, and Joshua James, our little JJ, who's not so little anymore. He's 16 and driving and... They are definitely, I think because I'm so invested, uh, they are the greatest leadership challenges and um, <laughs> well, products, right. I guess. It's in the pudding. And I love my teenagers. So it's it's been great. Uh, married to Jason, uh, who's you know a pastor. He's been in leadership in his own right for a long time. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me, how I spend wow. my days. Wow. Well, I, I guess I didn't realize you have a, uh, a, a daughter going to... Ohio State, I, I guess this really changes everything. I grew up just a little bit away from the big house. I am a, okay. a, a giant a University one. of Michigan fan. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know, but we can still be friends, right? We're going to try to people. get through this. And I mean, that's why you invited me on the show, right? If a right. guy can talk for 25 minutes, 30 minutes without throwing down, <laughs> we're setting the up for the rest of the world. <laughs> 
That's true. It is true. It is incredible, though. I mean, Mich- you know, I, I grew up, born and raised in Michigan. I live in Florida yeah. now. But, you know, as Michiganders, we loved our sports teams. But I worked for a while with a, a guy who was, you know, from Ohio, you know, just, I mean, the the way that he loved the Buckeyes. I mean, it, it, it was intense. I was like, wow. Yeah. It's always fun to walk around campus on Michigan Ohio State Week because they literally X out every single letter on on campus. I thought that was like an urban myth, but no, they really do it. I mean, they'll climb up story buildings to like get rid of that M. So wow, fun times. Wow, I love it. Well, speaking of you know communicating with uh, difficult people <laughs> and people who are different than us, uh, yeah. I mean, this boy can't get any different than U of M and and the Ohio State University. But jumping right in, you know, yep. uh, I mean, we all know what difficult people are, but, you know, maybe just kind of give us some traits, you know, some characteristics as we're thinking about the difficult people in our life. Yeah, as I was thinking through that, you know, I I, um, I don't think there's difficult people. I think there's different people. Oh. and And truly, that is what I have come to recognize in, coaching and, you know, sometimes it's prescriptive coaching. A CEO will say, hey, you got to work with this person. They're just not, (laughs) they're not easy to work with. What I find is it's often just the differences in individuals Mm. in their communication styles. Some people like to speak from the heart and use a lot of emotions and connections to personal things when they're talking and that builds trust. Others like to get right to the point and be extremely blunt and so what I find is often our perception of who's difficult, it's just different. We have different differences. And it's a lot easier to start to move the ball forward and work towards progress in that kind of dynamic. Yeah. If not thinking of that individual as difficult, but more different. And yet I can go with the term, you know, for the, our purpose today. Um, I think the difficult people are truly people with fixed mindsets. Oof. who use to look in their mirror and grow beyond where they are stuck. Um, and so I would say beyond just different preferences, the people who really can be a challenge are ones who they're happy with who they are and how they interact and it is working for them and they have zero motivation to change. That can be difficult to overcome that dynamic relationship. So. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, those, yeah, those, those people. And obviously, you know, we're created differently. We all are wired uh, differently, but I love, I love that perspective that you just gave us. Why does it seem sometimes though, that the, the, the different, you know, or the difficult people for, for us maybe to communicate with always seem to find us like, it's like, you know, am I just attracting them somehow? Yeah. Well, I honestly find you're a very uh, self-aware person, healthy, approachable. You fight for people's highest good. That's how you show up. And I would try, at least I try to have intentionality. And what I find is uh, people who come across as difficult, who have struggles in their relationships, whether at work or at home, they don't want to be that way. They don't want to experience that dysfunction and failure and rejection all the time. So when they see somebody who's getting it right, and who has the patience to actually help them, interact with them, be there for them, it does attract them. And 
so I think on one hand, that's a great thing. So if you're a leader who attracts difficult people, look on the bright side. You're doing something right in that you are accessible, you're accessible. Um, You're somebody who they're seeing maybe hope through because they want to learn from you. Um, I I do think, though, it's really critical that we have boundaries Mm. because we are no miracle workers. And what I often tell people is I'm not here to lead you. I'm here to help you lead yourself. And so often people will expect me to do the work for them as their coach or their consultant. And so I just empower them by saying, you know, here's the steps you need to take to start growing beyond some of the relational challenges you're dealing with. Um, And if they don't take, you know, they could be micro steps forward. I don't expect the moon. I don't expect them to change overnight, but I have to see that forward progress where they feel empowered enough to make some steps. Otherwise, I kind of create some boundaries around me and that person who might be perceived as difficult because I don't want um, to be in a position where I'm doing all the work and they're being enabled to stay right. stuck. That's um, But I do think that's part of the dynamic of why <laughs> difficult yeah. people might be attracted to people like you, Jason. They're like, he can help me. And... That's a yeah. good thing on one, but boundaries oh. are, right? Right. That's so true. Let's talk about those boundaries for a second. Cause I, I can remember years ago working for an organization, you know, having a, a boss and a leader and we were talking about, you know, somebody that, you know, was either fairly or unfairly labeled difficult, you know, and, um, the, I can remember being a young leader and my boss's point of view was like, Hey, they're just too difficult for me to work with. So. My, here's my boundaries. I'm cutting them out of my life. Like I don't, I don't need to. And, and boy, that just hit me so hard. Like, can we do that? Are Are you allowed to, you know, I thought we, you know, so walk us through just some, you know, some practical yeah. boundaries to put into place, you know, ones that are, you know, here, here are some healthy ones. Maybe here are the unhealthy version of those boundaries. So in that dynamic, there's a leader and then there's the person he's responsible for. And it, in that dynamic, you don't have the ability to just abdicate leadership and walk away and say, I'm not dealing with you. Whenever you play, you face an unpleasant reality, if that's the behavior of a member of your team or your children are acting up, you know, you got to look in the mirror first. Leaders define culture. They can influence reality. And so in that dynamic, that leader cannot abdicate, but they can set up boundaries. Leaders need if they're going to empower people to grow, they need to create both formal access and informal access to them. And so it needs to be a mixture of both. And if somebody is difficult, I would say the boundaries have to stay a little high initially. And you bring that high challenge. You set clear expectations for that individual. Mm. Here is the tendency that's undermining your leadership. You're very rude when you talk. I'm not talking about you. I'm just... <laughs> Thinking about yeah. hypotheticals, right? <laughs> like, oh no, I am. <laughs> that's your that's your mo. The world, no, no, but you know, you have to have a clear expectation for behavior change with somebody you're leading. You have to earn the right to give them that feedback. But as leaders, we create that culture, and hopefully, we create a culture where our team is willing to hear 
feedback from us often, regularly. And then, you know, every year, half a year, they get a more formal performance review. But formal access might look like, hey, here's here's how I want you to grow. You know, being blunt with people, being rude, it's not going to fly. We want to work on being more intentional with how you communicate. Okay. And so we're going to meet weekly for this quarter. And I'm just going to coach you. We're going to talk about how it's going. We're going to do rinse and review some of the dynamics, conversations, ways I've seen you interact with the team in meetings. And and I'm going to help you know what it's like to be on the other side of you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to challenge you. We're going to make you grow. So that's formal access. And you could decide if it's every other week or once a month. doesn't matter. But there has to be a set time. It's on the calendar. You're both agreeing to it and the clear expectations are met. Then there has to be a lot of informal access. Those little touch throughout the week where it's a quick text. Hey, I'm thinking about you. I know you had that difficult conversation coming up with that client or with that vendor. You know, let me know how it goes. I'm on your side. Just those little touch points that can really inspire a person to grow beyond yeah. their behavior. And so I think yeah, we can't, we have to set up boundaries. You don't want to give them carte blank, blanche, you know, access to your life. But you also can't abdicate. That leaves that person on our team just stuck. And right. it, um, it just is a frustration. And I often see, yeah, I mean, some people were just like, well, we're not going to change them. So we're just going to like let them atrophy in the corner. Right. That situation, it's better to let that person go. Yeah. If yeah. a leader decides a person's beyond repair, the boundary is, please move them to another yeah. <laughs> another leader that can care for them. It's the most gracious thing a leader can do. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. You know, just- and there's so much, uh, I think sometimes, and I, boy, I, I, uh, I may be speaking way out of turn. Uh, I, may, I may not have enough leadership experience to speak into this, but I, I think the phrase, you know, hire slowly, fire quickly. I think sometimes leaders uh, t- take that, you know, and we're like, you know, we got to go, you know, like crazy with that. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I, I do. I, I think it does make sense. But what you just, what you just laid out for us, I think a lot of times before people are fired quickly that way, you know, some of these boundaries or the, the formal and informal access wasn't put into place. I know a few times for me, there was like great greatness on the other side of trying to get through that like weird season of figuring each other out. I remember one, you know, one uh, person who was working for me years ago, I was just like, do you, I said this to myself, do you do everything just to tick people off? Like it was like, they've just picked the opposite of kindness or the opposite. And so if yeah. you set up some of those boundaries and do that coaching, maybe you're, you're, you know, you're able to get through because there, there can be greatness on the other side of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. If they're so far removed, you know, can't do that. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that kind of speaks into, you know, dealing with people, working with people, living with people who may have different values than me. How can I, you know, still respect them when their values may be, you know, so totally different? Yes. So I think one of, I mean, the one of the first things I do with leaders when I start working with them is core values exercise. Do you know and can you list what your actual personal values are? Do you know them? Because often we don't know what those values are until somebody steps on them. 
So it's worth a little bit of time to just do some self-reflection and recognize what our values are because values aren't necessarily right or wrong. They're just different. Right. So, you know, if your highest value is responsibility and my highest value is fun and enjoyment and we're on the same team together, we might have some difficult times. Right. You know, and it's not necessarily that you're doing anything wrong or I am. We're just living out our values and they are clashing, just yes. like the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. And so <laughs> it's important that I think as leaders, we go first and we identify, hey, these are my values. These are my non-negotiables. And then when we bump up against people who don't share those values and maybe who don't share our worldview or have different social, you know, ideas about how things should be. There's something that changed me years ago in, in how I operate in this, because honestly, I would get kind of defensive with people. I wanted to prove to them that my way was the right way. And I had a counselor tell me, Susie, you can validate someone without agreeing with them. Mm. And I said, unpack that for me, because we were talking about a specific issue. And I'm like, uh-uh, I, <laughs> I don't agree with them. This is wrong. <laughs> You know, and I was trying to be the defense attorney I think I was made to be in life. <laughs> but no, you can validate a person and never have to change your opinion of what you have come to as right or the best way forward. And so it looks something like this. You know, Jason, we think very differently on this particular topic. But, you know, I trust you as somebody who's thoughtful and who's lived a different life than I have. You've come to your conclusions in a thoughtful way. And so while we're different in what we think about this, gosh, I can respect you. I don't, I don't. it's yeah. not my responsibility to change you. Now, if you're on my team and we have corporate values that your personal values clearly are just not aligned with, that's important for me as your leader to say, hey, <laughs> This organization's values of fun and recreation and enjoyment in the face of your top value of responsibility. And I'm just kidding. I, I don't know what your, <laughs> your values. It's not working out for you. You're miserable all the time because we're all going out, you know, to the movies, you know, halfway through the work week and you just want to get stuff done. You know, we got to think if this is a future that's going to keep bringing out the healthiest version of you. Can you thrive here? Because I, I see that sometimes. It's not necessarily that a person's wrong or they um, are doing something wrong. They just may not be in the right alignment with the company or the organization's values that they've chosen to work for. And that's that's really important to identify as an individual um, and to make intentional decisions and not just sit in a place where we feel stuck or disempowered. Uh, and I, I see that you know, often in leadership. It's just helping people understand who they are so they can understand some of the tension and why they might feel miserable when right. they're in a particular environment or context, even to help them understand what to ask for. Um, but when it comes to the different values, I think that you can validate somebody without agreeing. It, it is my go-to all the time. It really is ultimately how to show people respect. Yeah. So. Oh, that's just huge. And that's honestly, it's one of the the top questions we get asked a lot. And we have a, a speak with people like uh, 
private Facebook group that people could join and we talk all about healthy communication. We do surveys and all that kind of stuff. And more than anything else, you know, more than public speaking, more than doing presentations, more than, you know, talking. Well, it's probably tied with talking to their boss about something tough. Sure. It's just, hey, I have a coworker who, you know, they don't seem to care about anybody. They do whatever yeah. they want. They say whatever they want, you know. Yeah. And for mo- most, you know, that just creates this wall. They shy away. They don't ever want to do with it. And so you're talking about, you know, if, if you're, if you're, your leadership, your company, your organization has a healthy culture and you're able to have those conversations. Talk to somebody who maybe is not at a, a healthy place where those kind of conversations happen, you know, where it's just the wild, wild west and everybody says, does, talks behind their back, you know, do those, does those kind of things. What could, what could someone go about, you know, having a conversation with, with the coworker who's, you know, doing those, saying those destructive or difficult things? Or even you know HR or a leader or those kind of things because we all know it's there. If if you've been there a while and it's so unhealthy that you well maybe it's time to move on. Like we you know sure. we get that. Sure. But yeah. are there any practical steps you could give people? Like okay, what are some conversations I can have with these people? Yeah, well I think first of all you have to have clarity around what it is that you are unhappy with. Mm. You know change. Change begins with a dissatisfaction with the status quo. And so as an individual who is discontent, you have to think about what is it that I am dissatisfied with and give it language. If we don't have clarity around it, then we are really being irresponsible to go into our supervisor or even a coworker and start complaining. We have to do some of the hard work to find clarity about what is it dissatisfied with in the status quo. And then... Step two is, what is my vision of something better? So let's say wow. I, the way my current team leader runs meetings, it becomes a cat fight because everybody starts throwing it down and you know, just it gets personal and then everybody talks behind each other's backs when their ideas aren't validated, all that. And I don't like it. Well, I can go in and complain and just be like, I hate this meeting. It's a waste of my time. We get nothing done. And I just... Then I have to deal with all the drama and the gossip afterwards. Okay, well, what could be better? What's a better version of this meeting? Because if we don't have a vision of what comes next or a better change than the status quo, we just stay stuck in our dissatisfaction and it spirals. But when we take the time to dream about, well, what could make that meeting better? What could be? And actually think through it, then... We actually have the power to change because then the third step is, all right, what's my next natural step? What do I do now? Right. How do I begin to take my dissatisfaction with the status quo and move closer to the vision of something better? But often I find people just like to complain. They're miserable. They're slack. And they're just like, ah, I don't like my coworker. Oh, my boss. They're so mean. It's like, okay. What are you going to do about it? You have to control what you can control. Right. No, often you can't change what you don't name. And so if you don't take the time as a leader or even as a team member to identify what it is that needs to change, no change is going to happen in your present reality or with your team or organization. You have to do that work. And I find even myself 
I preach to myself sometimes. I'm like, what am I dissatisfied with? Don't just stay miserable. Right. Name it. Right. You know, and give it some likes so it can actually improve and change. Boy, that, I mean, that's so powerful in a nutshell. Uh, right there. Cause I, I, I mean, I, I, I think of all the years that I probably could have solved a lot of hard <laughs> hardship for myself by not name. It was just, I was in that continual cycle of, oh, I'm complaining about this and I hate this and yeah. didn't do anything well, with it. That's where I find it is healthy to have a coach, somebody outside of the mess, even if it's for a couple sessions that can help you just look at reality and yeah. ask questions, you know, because sometimes you're right. You didn't do anything wrong and you probably couldn't have changed anything because you were in it. Right. <laughs> we're just in it and we just tend to survive. And it's only when we get outside of that context, we have a moment to look in the mirror of our lives and say, what do I see? Do I like this? And it's really important. We're never powerless. Yeah. It's one of the most hopeful things I've learned in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years. None of us are powerless. We're not stuck. We just have to be brave enough to look at what it is we are dissatisfied with, what is not working, and then actually do some work to change it instead of just sitting in it and asking other people to sit with us, keep us company. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what, what advice would you give to the person who, they may not even realize it, you know, they're just not coming from a healthy place. Yeah. And so that unhealth is just, you know, coming out mm -hmm. all the time to their family members, their coworkers, and, you know, little by little people have been trying to give them, you know, some yeah. hints, oh, but cool. no, nobody is just saying it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, how, how do people get, how, how do people get to that place where their self-awareness kicks in, where they go, wait a minute, it's me. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I, how do I get to this place now where, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not making these steps forward because I didn't realize it's me. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a hard question. And I think it does take different different methods for different people. Sometimes the bottom literally has to drop out. And I've watched that with yeah. people who are pretty stubborn. Um, you know, if you're watching somebody or you see somebody in your life that's like that, recognize that stress can really take a normal human being and make them very difficult yeah, and the best version of themselves. So I often, when I see the effects of stress on an individual, I do what I can to minimize stress in their environment. I help them identify the external stressors or internal. I would say one of the best things we can do as coworkers, employers, uh, friends of, parents of, people who we're just watching operate in unhealthy ways is to not start accusing them, but to be really curious mm. and to help them, help them kind of get to the root cause of why that behavior, if they're A, even aware of it, if they're seeing the effects. And sometimes, you know, just getting curious, offering them a safe, safe place with no judgment, um, yeah. but just be a sounding board where we can begin, I always say, you know, it's one thing to point something out to a person and say, hey, and we'll just go there because it's the opposite of who you are. But Jason, your speech pattern is really rude. You know, you're, you're just a, you speak rudely. 
I mean, it's immediately, if I say that to you, you're right. going to get defensive and like, what are you talking about? I smile when I speak. I'm not, re you will give me 10 reasons why that is not true. And that's human nature. When we're accused of something, we defend ourselves. But if I gave you a mirror, I said, hey, we're going to just video you all day long. If you truly did have that behavior, we'd see it. You would see it. You could watch the tape and be like, oh, mm, <laughs> that's what the world's observing. So, you know, in Giant, we use tools and they they operate like mirrors. Mm. They allow leaders not to feel, you know, accusation, but to see themselves. And when when we interact with people, instead of coming to them with judgment, which is often driven by fear, it's it's fear. Like if we see our children doing something in their communication that's hindering their ability to have great relationships. Oh, we want to correct them. We want to we want to change that quickly. And so often we do it through accusation or judgment. But instead, taking the time to to model the way with active listening, curiosity, really helping to understand why that behavior is happening, it it gives us the opportunity for that individual to have a safe place to change, to have somebody in their life who isn't afraid of them. <laughs> no, they've built the wall around them and they operate the way they do for a reason. And often they just need some safe people who aren't going to accuse them, judge them, but who are willing to fight for them. Yeah. And say the hard things, speaking the truth in love so that they can change. That's what I've found. I don't know if there's a one size fits all, but yeah, boy, that's boy, that's so good. Uh, in the last question, as we kind of finish up our you know conversation, we kind of started with you know you telling us about what you do with Giant and you know leaders becoming you know healthiest versions of themselves. You know, we we talk a lot about on this podcast, you know, some of those health habits to be able to do that. Are are there any habits or skills or? you know, health assessments or, you know, any, any advice or, I know I've thrown, kind of thrown a curveball here, but just as I was listening yeah, to you, no. you know, right. as, especially for leaders listening, I mean, so much of this is about your own self-awareness, being healthy, you know, any advice you could give, you know, just to keep improving that and, and growing in that way. Absolutely. I think, I mean, the lifelong process is really knowing yourself, lead yourself. So the first question you'd have to ask yourself as a leader is, how self-aware am I? Yeah. Like, do I have language to describe to people what my preferences are, what my communication styles are, how I make decisions, how I learn? Do I actually have language to understand myself well enough so that in the face of someone I think is difficult, I actually can just assess the differences? Wow. Yeah. Oh, you learn in a very present-oriented way. You're very here and now. I am a dreamer. I'm always thinking about the future. You got to rein me in. I think it's so critical that the first step is just asking, do I have the language to understand myself so I can really begin to grow beyond where I am? Have I accepted myself for who I am or am I trying to be somebody else? I think if the answer is no to that in any way, invest in yourself. Yeah. If you're a leader, invest in yourself. That might be get online and take the DISC assessment or Myers-Briggs or Five Voices. Find a coach that you can, you know, create some strategic goals with. I want to know myself. I want to have a yeah. language. Um, and just invest in yourself that way. I mean, it is so freeing when we are aware of who we are, what it's like to be on the other side of us. 
those are the keys to begin to change the reality, the future that we want to see. So, wow. Red Star. Wow. Wow. Susie, that's so helpful. This is, mm-hmm. this conversation has been so rich. Like, so appreciate, you know, you taking the time. Hey, before we let you go, thought yeah. we'd ask you a couple of uh, rapid fire questions. Our audience can kind of keep, our listeners can kind of keep getting to know you. Well, so, uh, hey, where is somewhere, a location you hope, you know, to take your, uh, take your family to someday? You guys haven't been there, but it's been like a dream list location. Yes. You know, I think I would love to go to Brazil with my family. Ah. The culture, the music, the food, the ocean. Mountains. Everything. Yeah. Everything. I love it. No. Uh, question two. Do you have a, a favorite go-to leadership book? You know, one that's just like, hey, this is the one that's changed me the most or I recommend the most. Yeah. So the leadership challenge, which has been around since the 80s, I think they're on the 20th version. It's wow. all research based and it really gives the five top leadership traits and they have stayed the same pretty much throughout the ages. So it's worth checking out. Um, every leader should know what what people are looking for. So yeah, I love that. Ten. Okay. Last one, uh, maybe a little too personal. We'll see, but do you have a favorite like guilty pleasure TV show that you're just like, Ooh. I love yeah. this one. And it just season three came out last night. I love Ted Lasso. Yes. Oh my gosh. Writing in that show is amazing. So hilarious and humorous, but they catch you with reality and humanness. And I just, yeah, that's guilty pleasure for sure. Can't wait. Oh my goodness. Well, and you know what? It it actually dropped on Apple Tuesday night. Oh, it did. Yeah, and so I was flipping through on Apple, and I'm like, wait a minute, it's brand new. And so, I sp- I spent the evening laughing and crying, and and uh, you're just you're just so right. It all cools. It is. <laughs> My co-host and and uh, producer on the podcast, uh, Dennis, he made this great uh, meme. You know that just says, "I want to be a a Ted Lasso in a Roy Kent world." You know, like. Uh, and I love Roy. I love who Roy is. And, you know, he's a difficult person, but redeemable, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this has been fantastic. Susie, could you just tell us, uh, tell our listeners where they could go to find more about you or, or your organization? Yeah. So giantworldwide.com is the place that you can find out all about what we do. You can sign up for the five voices assessment and get access to all the free content on our digital platform. Um, so I would go there, uh, giantworldwide.com. Awesome. So. Well, again, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for being on this podcast. I know that it's just going to help uh, a lot of leaders and you just gave us such rich uh, things to think about. So thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, Sharon. Well, and thank you for being a part of the Speak With People podcast community. Speaking of community, if you are not involved in the Speak With People Facebook group, we would love for you to be a part of the Facebook group. Go into your search bar at Facebook and, and search Speak With People Facebook group, and it will take you to the Facebook group. But we hope this community becomes what our, our desire is, a place where we can all curate information together. We can create ideas. We can help each other out with uh, different healthy communication ideas. And so we would love for you to consider being part of that group and go and join that today. And then lastly, if you haven't checked out speakwithpeople.com in a while, we have a whole resource page where you can find every single podcast episode. You can find a weekly blog that coincides with our theme for the week. And so you can find that uh, article that's been written uh, just for you. 
and there are different resources on there free for you to be able to uh, to dive into. So thanks again for being a part of the Speak With People podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your reviews and for listening. Again, this podcast exists because we believe words matter and our a healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and our leadership. So we hope that this time encouraged you, challenged you, inspired you to choose healthy communication. Thank you again for being a part and we'll see you next week.